Scott, we have been slacking a little bit lately because it's the summer. Yes. And I believe that you went on a vacation and I had my sex retreat. So, yeah. We're uh, back. Without Epstein, I know it was hard for you to book that, but I'm glad you were able to have your sex retreat finally. I fled to the safest and most normal state in the United States of America, Florida. Um, oh, which yes, was, where they do all of their legislating in public like yeah. the rest of the country. And then also it was hit by a hurricane, which was really cool. Uh, basically, two days after I went there, it was hit by a hurricane. So we, we've just been having uh, an absolutely smashing time not recording this podcast. But now we're back. We're back on the horse. We got some things to talk about. That's right. What are we talking about? We today? have. Well, we've got all sorts of shit to talk about. Let me tell you what we were going to talk about today. And then let me further elaborate on why we're not talking about it. You see, when Scott and I started this podcast, there were a couple things that we said were definitely going to turn into episodes. And those two things were Star Trek The Next Generation and professional wrestling, right? Yes. So what we were going to talk about today, in fact, is we were going to start talking about wrestling. We were going to start having initial conversations about what do you know about wrestling, Scott? And oh, let me tell you all sorts of things so that we can prepare you and prepare the audience for the inevitable uh, Puro Resu arc that is going to be coming here uh, shortly on King of the Shill. But I decided to go outside and do some yard work today. And in the midst of that, I ran eyeball first into a protruding stick that was coming out of a tree branch that was very thin and put this huge gash on my eyeball. So I spent the last couple hours in urgent care. So we're not talking about wrestling today, Scott. Sorry to burst your fucking bubble. Well, you know, I'll work it out in therapy. So everything will be fine. <laughs> don't you by therapy, don't you mean our weekly recording sessions? Yeah, definitely. Also our daily bitch sessions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So start at your childhood. Why don't you tell me all of the things there is to know about you? Actually, we are talking today about uh, a couple things, actually. Number one, I think is going to be interesting because this is honestly the first like mini sode that we've done in a while because mm-hmm. we've kind of been like doing some different stuff lately. So it's been a while since we've just kind of gushed a little bit. And uh, one one thing that uh, we've been talking a lot about lately, at least uh, in the space of our friendly conversations offline here, has been uh, Monster Hunter stories you're getting into, right? Yeah. So. I am a big Monster Hunter fan. It is something that I will eventually be shilling to you. I think we will have a grand old time probably playing Monster Hunter World, showing you what's great about that game. But a new release, I think it is one of the top selling, at least in terms of debut, not lifetime sales, uh, top selling RPGs released on Steam. It is a mostly aimed at children but a a rpg take 
on Monster Hunter. It's the second one in this sub brand, this uh, spinoff series called Monster Hunter Stories 2. And basically, it's just kind of a narrative RPG that it tries to take the Monster Hunter formula and transfer it into a more approachable, friendly game. Uh, it's not all about killing monsters. The premise of Monster Hunter stories is you're a monster rider and you're befriending monsters and they're part of your party and you're doing turn based combat, not this kind of character action like seat of your pants uh, action fights with big monsters. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's a different approach. And while I was playing it, I really started to appreciate the level of care they took in trying to represent the monster hunter spirit in another genre. And it got me thinking about that because I think we, we see it not as often as we might want, right? This idea that there's something about these properties, monster hunter, whatever that would be valuable to branch out into some type of spinoff where you just kind of preserve the spirit of the thing, but take it in a new direction. Yakuza seven actually just did this exact thing. It took basically a character action game a little bit different and turned it into a JRPG, a turn-based role-playing game. I loved Yakuza seven. And I know that you've been playing a game that's similar, but I kind of wanted to talk about, monster hunter stories a bit so i know chris that you don't know a whole lot about monster hunter what not at all what do you know if anything uh so here's what i know um there it's been around for a while i've seen it a lot um just property property name wise and uh uh monster hunter world came out a couple years ago and it was extremely popular and a bunch of people were like you're gonna love this and i bought it at full price and i played it for like two and a half hours and i was like i don't really like this and then uh a bunch of people were like but you like fighting games you would love monster hunter world and then i went back and i played it for like another 45 minutes and i was like i don't really like this so that's my extent of monster hunter knowledge i've got about no less than four hours into the games specifically in monster hunter world probably not even nearly enough to see the good shit and i know about it just because i've known about games my entire life well monster hunter stories 2 is the type of game the type of spinoff that i think really really captures the spirit of what it's transferring and i think that's probably the best thing about it so to kind of go over I'll, I'll talk about how it how it preserves that spirit by talking about the way it plays but again it is yeah. a turn-based rpg this is not going to blow anybody's mind in terms of combat complexity sure uh you take a turn you choose a thing that you do and something happens uh it is also a monster collecting game similar to pokemon or whatever right uh you collect monsters they have different traits and abilities and things like that. Again, nothing that's going to totally shake up the industry. Right. Right. What it does do as a monster hunter fan is it tricks you into thinking that you are playing a monster hunter game, despite it lacking any of the real 
gameplay loop of a Monster Hunter game. So huh. I'm not going to talk about the story at all because it's kind of sure. basic. It's again, this is really a game targeted mostly at, I think, children. I think it's to like get kids interested in Monster Hunter so that they'll pick, uh, buy and play the mainline games when they come out. Right. But, but the art direction, the gameplay, all these things I think are really intriguing. So you will uh in in monster hunter stories you will start as you do in every monster hunter game in a town hub there will be multiple town hubs as you progress through the game they will be in different areas that have different monster ecologies and things like that you will start in the hub and you will see all of the things that you are accustomed to seeing in monster hunter in that hub there will be the forge where you can go forge or buy new items that you are forging with monster parts that are the loot that drops from enemies when you beat them up, just like Monster Hunter. There will be a store where you will talk to the storekeep and be able to buy items that have real combat benefits that mirror their intended use in Monster Hunter, but translated to an RPG. You oh, that's will, cool. You will have the mission board that has all of the missions you can undertake. It won't yeah. start them in the in, It won't start an instance like Monster Hunter World or any other Monster Hunter game does. But you're still getting your mission from the mission board. There's the felines. There's all these types of things, right? So you're immediately immersed in this, this basically approximation of the Monster Hunter world. And you'll walk out and you'll be in an open world, which kind of reminiscent of Monster Hunter games, especially world. Uh, older Monster Hunter games were on worse hardware so what they were able to render was a lot worse but you'll walk around and you'll find a monster inevitably you'll go up to that monster and you'll start rpg combat and you're greeted with basically five options ride your monster which is something you have to build up to it's like a momentum uh, okay attack and you'll notice the attack has an attack wheel it has basically rock paper scissors it has power speed and technical attack. And I'll come back to that oh, in cool. a second. You have skills. Skills are basically the same meter that you need to build up to ride your monster. You can spend this meter to do skills that are unique to the weapons. So, for example, any weapon type that has a shield, there is a skill to guard. And on that turn, you will take less damage. Right. There is items. You can use your items. And then there's incidental stuff like changing out your monster, or running away, things like that. So there's really like right. five options. Every one of these, with the exception of riding, which is not a component of Monster Hunter, right? Proper. Uh, right. Is. Is as is as close an approximation of the Monster Hunter experience as you can get. So starting with attacking. The Monster Hunter experience is largely fighting game matchup. Right. It is mastering boss battles in character action games nonstop. It is. I need to know what parts of the monster are vulnerable to my weapon or its elemental damage weaknesses. So say, for example, uh, a Tetsukabra is a very early monster in a lot of games. The Tetsukabra is basically a frog with giant tusk jaws. The uh. the <laughs> yeah. The Tetsukabra can pick up a rock when it's weak with its jaws, which changes its resistance. Usually, if you're oh, that's if, cool. If you have a sword, 
you can hit a Tetsukabra in the face until it picks up the rock, in which case it's no longer vulnerable to slash attacks in the front. Yeah, it is. Makes sense. It requires a uh, blunt weapon like a hammer or a hunting horn. Right. Right. Monster Hunter replicates that by uh you have to so it, it replicates the pattern and the resistance information by uh using this uh combat wheel basically so monsters in the rpg have set behavior like they do in the normal game it's just you're not learning animations you're learning their behavior patterns a tetsu cobra in the game starts off by only doing power attacks power attacks are weak in the triangle the rock paper scissors to speed so you want to use speed, and when you use speed against its power, you win this little kind of rock, paper, scissors straight off. You do more damage, you take less damage, right? In a nutshell. Yeah, so you're right. you're learning behavior and adjusting your attacks to compensate. And then all enemies have different resistances under different body parts. So the Tetsu Cobra, for example, its head part that you can target specifically is weak to slashing. Until it picks up a rock and then the head is weak to blunt. Right. So you are again playing Monster Hunter, but in a different genre. Right. Right. I- items. Uh, items are a great example of this, too. So in Monster Hunter, there was always an item called a paintball. This is a, the prototypical example of the way this translated very beautifully. The paintball was useful in Monster Hunter because almost all of the time in the course of hunting a monster, it will flee because it doesn't want to die before right. you're able to kill it. When you mark it with a paintball, you can see where it's fleeing on your mini map. Basically, you have. Oh, uh, OK, that's cool. Yeah, you have like not really wall hacks, but you can see it on the mini map, right? Like, OK, it ran away, but I see exactly where it is. I'll go run and get it. Right. Right. In Monster Hunter stories, there's no real point to this because monsters don't necessarily flee. But. If you throw a paintball at it, you increase the chance that it will flee, which is like in an RPG, enemies fleeing kind of nonsensical, right? Because you won't get the rewards. But the paintball now makes it basically makes the monster want to flee. It'll flee back to its nest. These kind of randomly spawned areas where you can go and pick up its egg. So you like see say that I see uh, a tetsu cobra and I want one, right? I want one for my party. I can throw a paintball at it that I don't have to do in combat. And now it'll probably flee when I beat it up and I can go to its nest and pick up a Tetsukabra egg. Right. And that's how you add it to your party. Mm-hmm. That's dope. As, that's dope as hell. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff like that. There's like the traps. The traps in Monster Hunter used to be, OK, I'm going to lay this trap, this pitfall trap. And I know that the Tetsukabra will charge at me at a certain point right traps in this game work similarly where if you know the type of attack if i know that the tetsu cobra is going to do power because i know that at this point of the fight the tetsu cobra only attacks with power there's a type of trap that stuns and stun locks them if they try and attack with a power attack right so it's it's looping all of your monster hunter knowledge back into the game but just through menus right same thing with the skills like the the skills are basically translations of the way that the weapons work in monster hunter beyond the rock paper scissors attacking thing there's uh the 
the great sword, which is a monster hunter weapon, right? Has skills that build up a charge meter. The great sword is all about holding down the attack button to charge up. So you do skill attacks that build a charge meter and then you spend the charge meter on big fucking attacks, right? It's right. It just all blends beautifully into this kind of tapestry, right? Like every little component you're like, I know, I know ahead of time without the game explaining to me what this is for. I know the Tetsukabra with very few exceptions. There's only been a few that have surprised me so far. Every time I see the monster for the first time, I'm like, Tetsukabra attacks with power. Rathian attacks with speed. Um, Arzuros attacks with power. Uh, the Kurupeko is a technical monster. When they get mad and they change the attacks they're doing, I know that when a Kurupeko gets mad in the regular game, it behaves like this. So it's probably going to do power attacks now, right? Every time you're like, that makes perfect sense. And it's, yeah, right. it's just a really exciting feeling to have that nailed so well. Now, did you find it like whenever you came into this as a Monster Hunter veteran, like obviously it was a lot easier for you to just pick it up and start playing, right? But did you find it that like it also communicated its own thesis in that way? Like it wasn't just saying like, well, what if Monster Hunter was a turn-based RPG? Do you feel like it has its own unique yeah. um, motif to it as well? Yeah, I think that it, even if you didn't play Monster Hunter, I would think that this game is pretty interesting to check out. It is not the, the story so far. I'm only 12 hours in, but I don't see it going anywhere like incredible. Story is not that great. It's not it's not bad. It's just very right, basic. Sure. You mm -hmm. will see everything coming. Um, the gameplay is if I'm being very positive about it, I'll say that it's exciting because it's different, but it can get a little tedious. Just like monster battles in Monster Hunter take a long time, relatively speaking, it will take you a long time to fight enemies that you're not significantly stronger than in this game. Uh, monsters have a shitload of health. Uh, I just did a boss battle to end a chapter and I think I am over leveled for it. And it still took me about 10 minutes. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but with all that said, I think even if you're just a fan of JRPGs and you're not really a monster hunter person, there is stuff here that will impress you. The rock, paper, scissors stuff and how it's implemented is really cool. There's lots of strategic decisions you have to make. Items feel way more useful and they have way more personality than your typical JRPG. Like don't get me wrong. There are like potions that heal you just like they do in yeah, Monster right. Hunter. But then there's also like traps, right? Like guess correctly and stun the enemy type things. Right. So right. there is a lot here that stands on its own outside of Monster Hunter. And I think that it's worth playing. But so, so it's like a, and sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I'll let you no. finish in a second. So it's like a it's like a great hybrid. Well, I don't want to say great because I haven't played it. But in your opinion, it is a it is a uh, uh, we'll say serviceable hybrid of what makes Monster Hunter Monster Hunter while also weaving in just sensical game systems. Right. I think for it the is property. I my review of it, which I'll distill down into 
what I ultimately think of it is I could see if this game was geared more towards adults, because I, I do understand that it's a children's game. I'm not nitpicking it for that reason, right? It's not necessarily made for me. But if it right. if it was skewed more towards adults, if it had more budget so that it could make more environments, so that it could make the combat just a degree deeper beyond purely rock, paper, scissors, I think this would be one of the most interesting RPG combat systems made in years. In interesting, probably yeah. 10 or more years, right? Wow. I, yeah. It is really, really cool. With that said, I think ultimately my impression of it is basically that, that it is interesting to me almost entirely because of how well it adapts the monster hunter structure. With that said, right, like like I said, it's also a monster collecting game, which Monster Hunter is not about. Monster Hunter, their oh, devs okay. themselves have always said that Monster Hunter is about the monsters. It's not about the hunters which I totally agree with. The monsters are the things with all the personality. Um, right. They're the reason that you play the game. But this game, it's not the first. There was another stories that I did not play. But uh, the this game takes it in that new direction, right, of, hey, not now not only are you fighting them, which you, you do fight every monster in the game, now they can be your buddies. Now is your chance, It like for me, one of my favorite monsters, I am a total basic bitch, is Xenogre, which is like a lightning lizard tiger that's really popular with people. How right? do you not like a fucking lightning lizard tiger? It looks really majestic, too. Like, it's it's one of the ones that, like, th there's a lot of joke monsters that look funny, right? This is one of the ones that you're, like, supposed to take seriously. I like the Nargakuga, too, but, like, it, when I get a Xenogre... I don't have one yet. I'm going to be fucking pumped because it's one of my favorite monsters. It looks badass. And it, this game is going to finally let me able to select in a menu. Xenogre, go into your electric power up mode and go nuts. You know what I mean? It's it's that it's that you're going to get the opportunity to be almost like sort of command the monster. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, that's cool. It'll be like whenever you play the Shin Megami Tensei 3 remake and call out Dante from the Devil May Cry series for right. the first time. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. It's just the thing of I, I want to be in control to some degree of this really cool thing. But yeah, yeah the, that was it was just something that stuck out to me. I thought it was so cool that they adapted it so well, because really the only things that are do like because there are so many games now. There's less of an emphasis on spinoffs. It's not entirely the case, but largely that's true. One series that does spinoffs very well. The only other thing that came to mind when I was talking that I was talking about was uh, Atlas Sega stuff yeah. in general. Like there's all kinds of Sonic spinoffs. There's Yakuza spinoffs, but uh, Persona gets tons of spinoffs every time a game comes out. Persona 4 had a, a rhythm dancing game. It, oh, had a, holy shit, it, had a, it had a fighting game. There's there's so much weird persona shit. Right. And right. When you play not not really the rhythm game, because I mean, I don't know how you can translate persona to a rhythm game. But when you play the fighting game, at least when you play Arena Ultimax, there are components in there that are very persona. 
like the it's a fighting game with status effects right which is not very common persona status effects and it, it's just really satisfying i think to be able to cross over genres it's the same the same thing where we say we would like game developers to keep stuff fresh i don't want to play the same call of duty every single year right right it's cool to see them branch off in these directions but still maintain that spirit so it sounds uh, a lot like monster hunter stories in general is like um it's got a, like a lot of pokemon feel to it um and i know that pokemon is another one that we've uh talked about offline before sort of in the same spirit of like you know is this even like is, is this even really pokemon right like yeah. are you mm-hmm. like outside of the fact that it's got pokeballs and you know the pokemon tm is it really pokemon right so like here's a question for you for monster hunter world for people that might be looking for a pokemon alternative is this something that you think would be really good for them to get into the story specifically yeah without doing an actual show I would say that if you like either Monster Hunter, JRPGs, or specifically Pokemon, this is a game worth picking up. If not at full price, at uh, I would say 20% sale, you're going to get your money's worth. From what I understand, this is another thing that's great about uh, the translation. Um, most RPGs and JRPGs, when you beat them, you're done. There's some type of post game or like new game plus, but it's sure not really new content. You will not see a large component of the capturable monsters in this game until you've beaten it. In Monster Hunter, there is a concept of low rank and high rank and another stuff. But we're not talking about that uh, low rank and high rank quests. The thing people will tell you when you're starting to play Monster Hunter is just rush to high rank as soon as possible. Because oh, wow. high rank right. is a, the monsters you fought before, but stronger and you get better gear and monsters sure. that aren't in low rank. This game has the same approach. Once you beat it, you can go to new areas, hunt new monsters, do new things. And all the stuff from before, there's now a high rank version that you can go and get better armor from them and all the armor. Now you can upgrade it more than the low rank version. So there's like, there's so much content. It seems in this game that if you like it, you're, you could easily spend hundreds of hours on it. There's online play. There's online co-op. There's online PVP. Like it's, it's putting Pokemon to shame in my opinion. Wow. Um, I know that this is going to definitely come across as a joke. (laughs) I don't I don't mean it as a joke, but I know that Pokemon's not doing or Pokemon is doing a really good job at making sure that people are seeking alternatives in a lot of ways. So I um, I think that's really cool. You know, like as somebody that's not really into Monster Hunter, like the property itself, um, it doesn't really uh, entice me with its property. Right. But like in terms of the general concept of like how they translate the monster hunter systems into the turn pace, the, the turn based uh, style combat also just taking a turn based like JRPG style game. Right. And just faithfully applying the monster hunter motif to it. Um, it definitely has like this sort of back end um, 
motivator, right? It, for at least somebody for me, like, like me, mm-hmm. like to check it out, right? Like I'm sitting here listening to you and it just sounds cool, right? Because we so often look for exactly what you were saying and the properties that we love, especially whenever they do unique spinoffs like this is it's just like, okay, so it's great that you are going to do resident evil movies, right? But make them resident evil. You know what I mean? Make it mortal combat, right? Don't just do a mortal combat movie and then never do mortal combat in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like stuff like that. So, you know, it, I mean, at least for me, it sounds, it sounds like, um, it sounds like something that I definitely want to check out. So it, honestly, like I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the show at this point. Yeah, I we are going to go over Monster Hunter World and I guarantee you you're going to like that game. I I know that when we play some co-op Monster Hunter and you see like Monster Hunter maybe to its own detriment is a game that is entirely what you make of it. Right? If you don't in make enjoyable scenarios for yourself, it's not going to be an enjoyable game. It's it's like playing Devil May Cry or Bayonetta in a sense. Uh, you the getting the mastery is the thing, right? Like being right. able to stunt on this bitch ass Devil Joe, right? Like it cannot <laughs> touch me anymore. That's yeah, right. that's the the payoff moment. So we're gonna go with World, and then I would actually be really interested to see if we get to this point what you think of something like a Monster Hunter stories uh once we get there it's i am riding the train please make more of my favorite properties into weird jrpgs please (laughs) i will keep buying them (laughs) what what do you think the what's the one for you what's the one that you want turned into one the most oh there's a lot i think i unironically think that castlevania would make a great rpg i Konami is basically dead and they (laughs) will never make anything again because they they hate video games. But Castlevania would make an excellent RPG. Uh, I think that I mean, there's there's so many fighting any fighting game would immediately make an incredible RPG just because of the strength of the character designs and the fact that all of their character identity is already based around fighting right yeah true right there there's so much stuff i still want our resident evil battle royale that we riffed about all all those all those <laughs> yeah. years ago all those months ago while we were while we were lamenting the way that resident evil has turned into a kind of weird little property at this point yeah i mean um, there's there are developers that are really striking out there like as the despite how i feel about riot games i think it's awesome that they're trying to make so many different games now valorant is weird because it's a new ip but they're making a shooter game they turned league of legends into a card game and having played that that's another great example of turning something into another genre and doing a great job preserving the spirit of it they're making a league of legends rpg that i cannot wait for because it's starring some of my favorite league of legends characters it, it, it there's needs to be i think more of this branching they're, out they're 
if, if memory serves too, I think Riot's doing a league fighter as well. They are doing a league fighting game. That's absolutely right. And it's, it's again, one of those things. Say what you want about Riot. At least they're trying new things, right? Yeah. Of course, you could take characters in a game about having an average of four unique abilities and turn them into fighting game characters, right? Yeah. So. And, you know, what's interesting is like I, I at the risk of turning this into yet another fighting game episode. There are times where you can look back at the history of fighting games and even pinpoint when they themselves were doing this shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, like like Tekken Force, right? And um, Shaolin Monks, right? In a lot of ways where it was like fighting game properties have kind of been dipping their toes into other game styles and trying to translate what makes these games good and what makes the gives these games their identity rather and the properties their identity um, into this other format and this other medium. And like, you know, it doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, have to be something that's as grandiose or like, you know, high concept it is, you know, let's take what people know is monster hunter and turn it into a JRPG. Sometimes it can be just as easy as dropping Paul into an action brawler and just letting you spam death fist over and over again, because that's what you do is Paul in the fighting game. You just spam death fist, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we used to see that, like you said, in those games themselves, there used to be forget even fighting games in a lot of AAA games. There used to be extra modes that were just weird little gimmick mini games. Like you're basically referencing Tekken force there in Tekken. Where did all that stuff go? So it's so bizarre. Yeah. I, I think about it all the time whenever uh, things like this come up, like, you know, the, the episode, and I know this isn't a game property, but this is like a really weird sort of confluence of shit where it's like, all right, the Phantom Menace was bad and Attack of the Clones was bad. Revenge of, or, uh, Revenge of the Sith better be good, right? Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith better be good. And it was decent. But then you had this really fucking good third-person action game that was based on the movie property. And when I say good, I mean good. Like, it was good. It was a good third-person character action game that also had an unlockable fighting game that was probably the best Star Wars-based fighting game we're ever going to get. They put in the Force powers and implemented those relatively uh, decently. uh, Lightsaber clashes worked really well. You got a cast of characters that was a fucking dream matchup, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you could just completely redo the Darth Vader Obi-Wan stuff, right? So, like, all that stuff just really like sparks a nostalgia fire in me. You know what I mean? Because you're right, man. Like there were so many examples and instances of these just, I don't want to say side modes because some of them were so fleshed out and so deep, they could have been their own standalone game. Yeah. And without the, we're risking going down a massive rabbit hole. Cause we haven't even talked about mods. Where did league of legends come from? It came from ultimately ion of strife and dota the mod for ward warcraft right like right mm-hmm. they, they created an entire game genre out of modding something else so yeah it's um it's interesting because we're never really gonna i mean unless you go back and read interviews or listen to you know behind the scenes stuff get get it straight from the horse's mouth so to speak um we're never really gonna understand exactly why it is 
it seems like things pivot off of these concepts, right? It's like this, it was clearly popular, right? Cause how many, how many different installments of tech and force that they, that they put in those games? Right. There were a couple weren't, weren't there? Mm-hmm. So like, it was clearly something that like when they would release tech and force, it wasn't being completely lambasted. Right. So people liked it, you know, and you know, again, calling back to the episode three thing like that, again, this is a movie property, which already doesn't get a whole lot of attention that is also just taking an extra step and doing this other uh, deeper side mode. That's a completely different genre than its base game. And so I wonder a lot where my head goes with this is just in, in the consumer space, like, and, and in the, in the fan space, like uh, who is deciding that we don't need these anymore and we shouldn't be trying this shit. You know what I mean? And it just, it makes me a little bit sad. It gives me a boomer tear. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think probably the last thing to say on it is obviously there's complexity in like, oh, well, budget and marketing and whatever, right? Like, is this really going to end up getting us more dollars? But I would argue that in a lot of spaces, you're, you, your stagnation right especially like fighting games i think has this problem i know we talk about it endlessly but just it so happens that this is a perfect example right fighting games don't sell well at all unless you're like no combat well and well and to be clear like strive just came out and it was like 35k on the day of release on steam wasn't it something like that and everybody was like holy shit meanwhile like stuff like cyberpunk sells hundreds of thousands on day one right absolutely and i mean more than that like sometimes well not millions sorry yeah Yeah. day day one yeah you're right but like we're talking millions of units but the reason why certain fighting game properties like smash like mortal Kombat, really the only two that are like insanely successful is because they have single player content they have stuff to do besides go online people buy smash because people buy smash ultimate which i think it might be the top selling fighting game of all time i don't know but they buy it because it has 70 freaking characters or whatever ridiculous amount of characters it has it has fun multiplayer modes that have items it has single player stuff you can do it has the entire like i mean talk about whether or not the spirit world or whatever is fun but it has an entire single player campaign to do right it has lots of uh classic gauntlet mode stuff it has music and character viewers mortal kombat has a story mortal kombat 11 had a story dlc it had the towers it had the crypt it had really interesting character customization these are the games that sell well so what do you have to lose if you want to bring people in you don't need i mean i don't want to say this because you do need it but you don't need rollback net code tight roster good balance you do need those things please don't take that the wrong way like i (laughs) i will be i will not play it if it doesn't have those my priorities are different but Yes. Bring back Tekken Force. Bring back uh, Mortal Kombat. It doesn't need to do this because it has other stuff, but bring back Combat Cart. Bring back Combat Chess. Bring back, hell, bring back Shaolin Monks or some shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, really what we're getting at is just um, 
ultimately we we I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you just said it, right? We we just we just we just want to remake a Shaolin Monks. Yeah. That's all. That's that's the whole point, actually. We should just come out with it. That's the entire reason we started this show. Eventually, our plan is to have Ed Boone hear these pleas. Please make a Shaolin Monks remake or a Shaolin Monks 2. Don't even don't even call it Shaolin Monks. Just make it about two other characters and call it something different. Just give me that experience again because there is something honestly so joy sparky about being able to not only bicycle kick from one end of the screen to the other into your opponent, but bicycle kick up onto a platform and mow down like 15 foot soldiers. I love it. How much would you pop if the thing that they're working on, the thing that they stopped working on Mortal Kombat 11 to work on, wasn't a new fighting game, but a DC and or Marvel Shaolin Monks? Um, okay. <laughs> so couple questions here in yeah. this hypothetical scenario. Okay. Is it like MVC infinite style Marvel or is it, Oh, it Marvel ultimate Alliance three Marvel. It, it plays in my mind. It plays like Shaolin monks, but it has the injustice treatment on Marvel characters or on DC characters, right? I mean, I I would probably buy us both a copy. <laughs> I'd buy more than a copy. I don't care if it's a live service game if it plays well. Big words. Well, big words. Next week we are going to get to the wrestling prologue once my eye is healed up. But I'm really glad that you're enjoying Monster Hunter stories. It sounds fucking sick. Um. And I'm glad that we actually came clean to our 14 standard listeners that ultimately this is just about getting a new Shaolin Monk. So if you're along for the ride still, we're happy to have you. Yeah. And hopefully when we get the new Shaolin Monks, it has 14 player lobbies so we can play with everybody that listens to us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. And hopefully they will not be implemented by Arc System Works or anybody that worked there oh because hot God. shit, the Strive Lobby still suck ass. Yeah. Uh, you can you can literally get a one star run in Super Mario, which involves glitching up to Bowser and beating the level and Bowser before you can connect to a server in Guilty Gear. That's right. Yeah, other things that you can do. Read War and Peace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Scott, um, next week, get ready for wrestling, my dude. I'm ready. Uh, my I body hope you're ready, ready because yeah, I hope you're ready because this one is not gonna this one, this one's this one's not for the faint of heart. You showed me but, your uh plan and my God. So everybody yeah. look forward to that. Yeah, it's gonna be good. We're gonna talk about all sorts of shit all over the spectrum, including but not limited to the gobbledygooker and the shock master. So until then, you can find all of our old episodes and all of the current episodes at themanyfolds.com. I have no fucking idea what that even means, but we're gonna roll with it. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Amazon, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on the socials at Twitter and Instagram at the many folds. Scott, who's your favorite wrestler? Uh, Ray Mysterio. Oh, Ray Mysterio. You know, there was an old joke. Um, TNA impact wrestling used to do this thing where 
for a while in the sort of mid 2000 or late 2000s, early 2010s, anytime WWE would lose a wrestler, they would sign them. But of course, WWE has their names trademarked, so you can't exactly just rename somebody the same thing, right, in a different company. So they would make mm -hmm. these very slight changes. For example, the wrestler Christian, when he left WWE, went to Impact and renamed himself Christian Cage, right? Makes sense. So the on-running joke was that if Rey Mysterio ever leaves, ever leaves WWE, Impact would turn him into Roy Mysterious. So that's what I call him. <laughs> Roy Mysterious. Well, it's, yeah. it's probably Roy Mysterious. Uh, also, another one you would not expect. Big Show. Big Show? Paul White. Big Show. The Giant? Yeah. You know, Big Show's a huge Destiny 2 player. Uh, I am sorry for him. Yeah, I'm sorry for him too. All right, next <laughs> week, wrestling. Here we go. See you guys later. Peace. King of the Shield.